Tony <clears throat> Lucadello is often touted as one of the world's greatest baseball scouts. In fact, in his career, he sent 52 young men uh, to Major League Baseball. Uh, two of them became Hall of Famers. His ratio of the number of kids he signed, total number of kids he signed to contract uh, against those 52 that he sent to the major leagues uh, is the best ratio ever in major league baseball. So what was it about this guy they called the prophet of the sandlot that made him so good? What was it that he knew that others didn't? According to Mark Weingarten, in a book that he wrote about Lucadello, he claimed that Lucadello himself believed that there were four kinds of scouts. Again, scouts defined as, uh, as those who would go out and evaluate talent. And Weingarten said in his book that uh, these four types of scouts uh, Lucadello believed existed. First of all were the poor scouts. He said they were 5%. He called the second group the picker scouts. They too were 5%. He called the third group the performance scouts. They were 85%. And then the last group he called the projector scouts. And they were another 5%. Poor scouts, he said, were poor because they were lazy and never planned. Picker scouts were those who would watch uh, and evaluate a talent, and all they did was pick out their negative points. Performance scouts were by far the majority, were those who based their opinions solely on how players played against competition. But the projector scout tried to envision down the road. He looked for the potential in the talent instead of the current state of the player. Therefore, Lucadello literally looked for different things in the uh, people he was evaluating than did his other colleagues. The player, of course, Lucadello said, had to have talent. Beyond that, he looked for things like a player's attitude, his coachability, his ability to get along with others. Because Lucadello knew that if the guy had a quirk in his throw or a hitch in his swing, that good coaching could and likely would correct those simple flaws. Lucadello tried to look into the future and determine if this player had potential for greatness. In other words, Tony Lucadello was a big picture guy. He knew the qualities necessary to make it all the way. And when he found those qualities, he would sign that player telling that player, You've got what it takes to go all the way. 
Now, I share this with you because Lucadello's perspective on scouting helps us, I think, to understand our passage. Romans 8, verses 29 through 30. For whom God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, so that he might, Jesus might be the firstborn born among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. Now, we have been looking at these uh, five fabulous, valuable verbs that give us a picture of our lives from heaven's perspective. In these five fabulous verbs, the first is foreknew. The idea of God foreknowing us is this, that in eternity past, God saw us. But it's more than just a a physical seeing. God saw us. He loved us. He placed his hand upon us and he began to draw us unto himself at some point in at some specific point in time in eternity past. That has happened to you and to me. But he goes on. He says not only did he foreknow us, but he has predestined us. Now please get hold of this. The term predestined means to determine beforehand, to decree, or to cause to happen. It's made up of two words, destined, which means to develop as an intended plan, and pre, which means before. In other words, here's what Paul is saying. He is saying that before you were born, God had already decreed this plan in your life. He didn't consult you or me. He spoke it into existence in absolute truth and it will be coming true in your life. Predestined. It's a life described from how God sees you. He saw you and loved you, began to draw you and then he decreed this plan into your life. This is your life and mine from a theological, from a doctrinal, from a spiritual, from a holy and eternal perspective. In other words, it is absolute truth. What I'm sharing with you is true in your life whether you realize it or not. 
It is true over your life whether you will accept it or not. Because God has decreed it to be done. At some point in eternity past. Predestined. The decree was created. It was recorded in the annals of heaven. It is the holy pronouncement that governs our lives. Absolutely, God has given us some freedom, limited freedom, in this decreed plan over our lives. In fact, the word uh, predestined actually came from a word that originally meant boundaries. That God has spoken boundaries over us. That it's happening in your life right now. To understand it is to, is to understand you and your life better than you ever have before. There is a predetermined plan that God is executing and releasing in your life as we speak. So what is this plan? What is this ruling, governing dictate of God over our lives? What did he predetermine us to be? He predetermined that we be conformed to the image of his son. That is occurring in your life. The word conformed is a rare term. In fact, it's only used two times in the Bible. It means to become like. It's used in Romans 8, 29, 30, our passage, to be conformed into the image of Jesus. But it's also used in Philippians 3, 21, when the Bible tells us that the Lord will transform our lowly bodies that it may be conformed to his glorious body. So, Either in life or in death, this pronouncement is the same. Now we know that when we die, God conforming us into his image, literally his bodily form, happens instantaneously. But it doesn't happen that way in this life, does it? We're conformed instantly at death. In life, we're conformed little by little by little by little. It's hard. I know you go through periods of feeling so spiritually stuck. Feeling that God is simply not listening. Times when <clears throat> you wonder if he will ever answer another prayer. It, it, it gets hard to even remember the last time God worked in your life. And it feels, it feels inside as if he has forgotten us. 
abandoned us. It's so easy to get overwhelmed in this life. It is. It is for me. I'm sure it is for you. We all have different pressure points and buttons to push, but the enemy uh, enjoys playing that game. And sometimes all we see is just right now. We've got the blinders where we are so embroiled on the thing in the things of now that we have lost that big picture perspective. I promise you, God is at work in your life right now. And he is at work in your life, in your circumstances, in your relationships. He is at work in every area of your life right now. Not necessarily to give you a wonderful miracle in the time and now, which could, could be, but his primary concern, his original dictate plan for our lives is to conform us into the image of his son. Day by day, moment by moment, circumstance by circumstance, God is infinitely at work in your life. You know, for as long as I can remember, as long as I've been <clears throat> a believer in ministry, I've always heard that God had two different plans or two types of plans. That there was, first of all, the perfect will of God. And that, that is his plan for our life and our uh, measuring step by step uh, walking with him. No sin, no mess ups, perfect will of God. But God also has the permiss his permissive will where he will allow us to make mistakes. He will allow uh, the sin and failures to forgive us and then reestablish us on the journey. But somebody somewhere forgot to mention the permanent will of God. And that is that he is forever at work in your life, conforming you to the image of his son. How does this affect us? It affects us in these ways. First, educationally. The fact that God is sovereignly at work governing his plan over your life will affect you educationally. Not scholastic education, spiritual education. Just accept it. For the rest of your life, the Holy Spirit of God is going to be at work changing the way that you think. He is going to be at work for the rest of our lives 
calling out deception and lies and replacing it with holy truth. It's happening now. It will continue to happen because it is an absolutely integral part of this overall plan of God conforming you to the image of Jesus. It's integral to God accomplishing that purpose. Think about it this way. The Bible says over and over again that we are not to be uh, of this world. That we are to put aside or, or, or live such a way to honor God and set up treasures in heaven and not treasures of this world. The Bible tells us that if we are a friend to the world, we are an enemy to God. So there is this great line of distinction between the world and the believer, between the way the world thinks and operates and its priorities and, and its governing thoughts and the believer's. When Jesus first came uh, to, the, to earth, he taught the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7. And in that sermon, he, he spoke of the Beatitudes. He told the people things they thought crazy, that you would be blessed if you were poor in spirit. If you mourned, if you were meek, if you hungered and thirst were merciful, a peacemaker, or persecuted in this life, you are blessed. That makes no sense to the world. He spoke about it wasn't, it's not just the wrong deed, but the wrong thought is sinful. They didn't know that. He said he hated divorce, that we were to love our enemies, that we were to stop worrying, laying up treasures in heaven in prayer, we're not to give up, but keep asking, seeking, and knocking. And these are teachings from one sermon of Jesus. He revolutionized the way people thought. And he's doing the same thing in your life right now. He's changing and will forever in this life be changing the way that you think, not only educationally but emotionally. The fact that God is working sovereignly, a dictate in your life, I'm telling you, if you will cooperate with him, it will change you emotionally. Not so much in the way you feel, but in the passions of your heart. Cooperating with God will find our lives changing as did Peter's. Peter, the guy that denied the Lord three times, was then the same guy that preached to government officials without fear, that was crucified at Rome upside down on a cross because he refused to be crucified right, set, right side up. And those changes, that, that filling of God's Spirit that turned 
the Apostle Peter, like the Apostle Paul and the others, that same power of God is at work in your life. That is what God is wanting to do. Conforming us to the image of Jesus means changing the passions that we have. It also means it will change us ethically. It's no secret that that our relationship with God ought to change our lives. But it's not in a robotic type discipline or uh, a, a, a spirit of, of uh, such harsh structure. No. Our relationship with the Father will change the way we live because of his love and forgiveness to us. And because he changes his passions, our lives will change. They will change. But it starts at the core of surrender. And then finally, it affects us eternally. The power, dictate, authority, spoken word at some point in time in eternity past, but a specific moment when God spoke over you the dictate that he would be drawing you, calling you, and conforming you all of your life. Even into the kingdom. The more we cooperate with God, the more joy, less sorrow, the more victory, less failure, the more love, less selfishness. It was said of Tony Lucadello that he evaluated talent through rose-colored glasses. God looks at you, if we could borrow that picture, he looks at us with rose-colored glasses. A certain prism as to his dictate, as to how we are conforming to the image of Jesus. This, is, this will continue for the rest of our lives because God dictated it some point in time in eternity past. That is just as cool as it gets. You bow your heads with me, please. Father, each of us knows this morning <clears throat> that there are areas in our lives that you want to deal with, that you want to conform, that you want to shape. And we know that you're working on those. And because this is your deal, we won't ever give up. We won't continue to give in. But we will seek to fulfill 
the driving dictate over our lives conform us to the image of Jesus.